0: Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the podcast, a special gift for the nonprofit geeks out there. I include myself as one of them, fiscal sponsorships. You've been craving it. You've been messaging for it. Fiscal sponsorships for nonprofits is, I think, one of the coolest hacks for getting zero to 60 as fast as possible. And I found Andrew Shulman, the principal of Shulman Consulting, who just, I mean, he lives, he breathes. As far as I can tell, fiscal sponsorships. Andrew, thank you for coming on and helping us go through what we should know about this. How's it going, Andrew?
1: Thank you, George. It's going great. Going great. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, you've been at it since... 2015. And I feel like you you earned the badge of having survived the, the nonprofit, among other things, apocalypse of very difficult times where unfortunately there was a culling, I think, of a lot of nonprofits, a lot of organizations as we moved through the pandemic. Now, I, we were talking a little bit before we pressed record where we're like business is starting to pick up a little bit more. So maybe you can tell us about what it is Shulman Consulting, and I'll say shulmanconsulting.com if you want to find Andrew's company. What
1: is the focus expertise of what you do? So we are exclusively focused on the world of fiscal sponsorship. And what that means is uh, my team and I spend about half our time working with organizations that provide fiscal sponsorship. So those that either have been doing it for a long time and want to make a change or want to assess how they're doing or those who are just starting out and wanting to think about fiscal sponsorship and launch a new program. We've worked with organizations that have been shutting down fiscal sponsorship programs. So we spend about half our time with with that group, and then about half our time working with fiscally sponsored projects and those that are interested in becoming fiscally sponsored projects. So um, we work at three, three points in the life cycle, as I like to say. One is at the beginning, where if you're starting something new and you're thinking about fiscal sponsorship, uh, you find us, we can help you find the right fit for a fiscal sponsor. Uh, sometimes there are folks who are started, and we'll talk about this probably a little bit later, Start folks who start at fiscal sponsorship, uh, fiscal sponsors that are sort of ad hoc situations where the organization isn't necessarily a professional fiscal sponsor. It's what they do on the side. Uh, maybe they're just doing it to help out a friend or something like that. And Sometimes those entities grow bigger than that can support than their current fiscal sponsor could support, but not big enough that they've sort of outgrown fiscal sponsorship. So there's actually a, a transfer situation that can happen where you go from one fiscal sponsor to another. And then for those that reach the point where they're, you know, have, their, have their everything sort of in a row, have, are sustainable, have enough funding, thinking about going out on their own, uh, we do have a suite of services to help them sort of through that decision making process and then also like walk through this, walk with them through that whole process.
0: I had not even thought about how many elements there are to this. Of course, where you have a nonprofit that is doing it for a friend and do it on the side, or they're maybe they're grant making, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute," you know, these organizations or these projects, these community led groups don't have a fiscal sponsorship. And just to lay the groundwork, let's define because, like, we're we're now three minutes and forty seconds into this, what is a fiscal sponsorship?
1: Yeah, it's a great what question because if you don't <laughs> if you've never heard of it before, it sounds like I have a friend who likes to say it sounds like something it's not, and what it is, it doesn't sound like it doesn't give you any sense of. So, sounds
0: like I get money.
1: Exactly. Do I get <laughs> No, and you don't get money, right? So that's a big disappointing thing for most people. Ah. Um, so fiscal sponsorship is it's essentially a, a contractual agreement between two people, two parties, one of which is often a 501c3, but could also be a different kind of nonprofit, like a C4 or even a C6. And, and another group that does not yet, does not have its nonprofit status from the IRS, either does not have it yet or just doesn't have it and isn't planning to get it. And through that relationship and the way it's set up, there's, uh, the smaller group or the, the newer group or smaller group can actually fundraise for charitable work that furthers the mission of the larger group in a way that they can accept tax-deductible dollars essentially by, by because of their relationship with that larger group, right? So you could start, the, the sort of prototypical situation is you're going to go start some new nonprofit, right? And, and you, I've heard you talk about this too, so I know you're well familiar with it. You can go the sort of traditional 5-1-C-3 route, right? You can go, you know, get your state corporation, get your EIN, go to the IRS, do all that stuff, right? But I always tell people, no one starts a nonprofit because they want to run a small business. But that's essentially what you're going to have to do, mm-hmm. except, you know, you and I run businesses, but nonprofits have more red tape, more oversight that they need to deal with than even you and I have with our companies. So most people don't realize that going in. So in fiscal sponsorship and there's a few different versions of fiscal sponsorship and we can, you know, depending on how far you want to geek out, we could talk about different models and things like that. But but the version that I'm talking about right now, what if you could start your nonprofit and you could focus on just the programmatic work and the fundraising, and you could hand off everything else to somebody that already does it for their job that knows what they're doing. So everything from finance and accounting and HR and, legal and insurance and IRS filings and other compliance and audits, all that stuff can be done by somebody else. And all you have to do is pay them usually a small percentage of the money that you raise in exchange for those services. What are the industry
0: standard? I know a dangerous word, industry standard for the fees that a fiscal sponsor, meaning so we have a 501c3 organization, just to keep it simple, that then lets you leverage their C3 to get donations somebody comes in, they donate $100. What percent of that does your group end up seeing if you have a fiscal sponsor in play?
1: Yeah. So I have to give a thousand caveats here, but we, <laughs> what we're talking about now is, is, is often called <laughs> Great. model A fiscal sponsorship or comprehensive fiscal sponsorship, which is sort of the one, the one I just described where you're handing everything off to uh, the fiscal sponsor who, who does that, all that work, all that back office work for you. In sort of the, the middle range of those fees, and I will say those fees range from zero to I've heard as high as 50 and 60% of every dollar. Oh my. Which is way beyond what anyone should be paying. So if you're paying that right now, you need to come talk don't to me. Don't do that. Find you. we'll find if you're you listening to this sponsor. and you're
0: paying 50, don't do it. Find Andrew immediately. Yeah. And we yeah. just, this was worth the podcast. Stop listening yeah. and go find him. I agree with that.
1: <laughs> the sort of middle range of the bell curve is probably in the 8 to 12% range. Of oh, usually, okay. usually based on revenues, occasionally based on expenses. So sometimes it's when the money comes in and sometimes it's when the money goes out. But it's one or the other. Oh,
0: interesting. On the money, I understood that type of, as you said, Model A leveraging the 501c3 sponsor that it was of donations money in, but you're telling me that there's money out so that let's just keep it simple for math because public math is difficult. 10% is my fiscal sponsorship percentage agreement on funds in, meaning somebody don't, my my mom donates $100, I see $90 of that and 10% Correct. of whatever's donated. is in. But now you're also saying that there's some times where outbound, I have to pay percent as well?
1: No, no, it's, it's one or the other. So some sponsors ah, have it gotcha. set up where it's 10% on ah. the money that comes in and some sponsors have it where it's the, some percent on the money goes out. Mm-hmm. So it could be like a, right off the top when it comes in or it could be sort of like a tax on money that goes out. It's much more common to have them on the money coming in, but there is some cases where Sponsors use a different, the other version, but it's, it's one or the other, not both.
0: Yeah. I think that I wasn't aware of that. I just learned something. There you go. I am curious. It seems like there's a way for any nonprofit that has an established 501c3. Is this like a clever way of maybe making money because you're providing services you already do and already provide by providing fiscal sponsorships? Is
1: this like a thing? So I hear this a lot from people that I talk to that are, you know, exactly that. Oh, this is a earned revenue stream. We're diversifying (laughs) revenue. revenue. Go get it. Right. Technically, it could be. I will tell you that most organizations that do fiscal sponsorship as sort of a side gig or as one program among several or many often lose money. On the, on the work rather than make money on the work. Because it's it, it, it sounds like it's simple and it's just plug this into what you're already doing, but it's never that simple. And I've worked with enough clients to to see again and again that you know, it's more work for your systems, it's more work for your people. And often the biggest issue is sort of burnout of people because if you have mm-hmm. one or two fiscally sponsored projects and it's sort of a side thing, it's probably not officially part of anyone's job. And so it's just like extra work that is put on top of someone else's job. And they probably already have too much work as it is. And so I try to counsel people that it's, you shouldn't do it if the goal is to make money because you're probably, you have to get pretty good at it before you're able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting where you kind of get halfway there, but it's at the inefficient side where,
1: you know, people are donating,
0: you know, you're making like $1,000 a year and paying easily $100,000 in staff time because you right. need all this machinery in place, applications back and forth, customer service. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, that's just for these two things. And then like the unsatisfied donor, the confused donor, like what? Right. I could see that being that, that type of fool's goal. But I want to come back around to strategic mission solutions saying, sure. hey, we have maybe a, underserved, unbanked, local group organizing without the infrastructure. What situations, if I'm a nonprofit listening right now, what situations does it make sense for a nonprofit to offer the service of fiscal sponsorship?
1: Yeah, the, the biggest number one piece is mission alignment, right? So you want to really make sure that this is furthering the mission of your organization. And so there's actually, if you're if you're doing stuff that's not furthering the mission of your organization and you're taking on projects that are sort of in a different field, any revenue you make from fiscal sponsorship can actually be classified as unrelated business income and you can get taxed on it. And so it sort of opens up a whole other can of worms. Mm-hmm. Think about mission mm-hmm. alignment. So assuming there's mission alignment, you know, then I would look at, okay, how how is your infrastructure, right, as the organization that will be providing fiscal sponsorship? do you you know would you give yourself a passing grade in terms of your finance and accounting your hr your legal how much do you know about your insurance you know all of those things and then how how much are you able to dedicate someone to you know manage this program right because this it this is essentially an internal program that you're creating that will oversee or manage other programs right the fiscally sponsored projects and so you you really need to be able to, to dedicate that and you know make sure you have all of that before you before you get started from a sort of infrastructure piece you're also going to want to make sure your board of directors is on board and understand that any liability that is coming on because of these sponsored projects is on your larger five hundred and one C three, and is technically on them. They, they, you know, they have that legal and fiduciary responsibility. So um, that's a big piece. Um, and then I would say, you know, before you get started, you would want a really good fiscal sponsor agreement, which is that contract that we talked about. You know, there's a contractual relationship, so um, it's really important to have a really good fiscal sponsor agreement that has a bunch of different things, but the, the most important thing in there is the termination provision. Right? So that sets up the ability for either party to walk away when they are so, so inclined and sort of how that will happen. Um, and I'm not an attorney. I'm not an accountant. This isn't legal advice or financial advice in any way, but um, they, that, that piece is really important because that sort of describes how this will end whenever whenever that time comes and more than likely it will come in one shape or form. But uh, so that those are sort of some of the key things to, to think about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's not something you just want to wander into because of at the very least the liability is like something to make you take a pause on. So we're really warning, warning you off for as a nonprofit running around and saying, you get a C3, you get a C3 so like a little pause on that i want to flip it over though to young entrepreneurs or people entering the social impact sector saying hey i'm sitting on the fence of creating a entire we'll stay with the 501c3 creating a new 501c3 mm-hmm. and then going after my mission to community garden poetry center support for a disease, whatever it may be, versus a fiscal sponsor. So I'm sitting on the fence. When you're advising somebody trying to decide, should I create a 501c3 or create uh, and work through a fiscal sponsor? How do you help them decide? And what are those factors?
1: Yeah, so it it's, tends to be a little bit different for everybody. But if we try to generalize a bit, right? Um, I think if you are if you're thinking this, this venture, this social venture, is going to be really small, so you know that you could get your 51c3 your with the 1023 ez form, um, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have issue with, and I'm usually one of them. But uh, if you're starting something really small, there's not going to be any employees, um, it's going to be volunteer, you know managed and led, you could probably do without a fiscal sponsor and get your own C3 uh, just because it's so small. Uh, on the other mm-hmm. hand, if you don't, if you've never done it before, if you've never managed a nonprofit, if you, if you don't really have that experience and this is your first sort of entree into this world, um, I always say it's better to start with a fiscal sponsor because they know everything. I mean, they don't know everything, but they, they know how to find everything and how to do what you need to do. And they've done it before. And so, um, you know, Fiscal sponsorship, as you can tell, like this is what I do day in and day out. Uh, I could talk about it for for every day for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. It's not the right thing for everybody all the time, and so I think it's important to to think about that. But you know, if you're thinking about making something that, hey, one day I'm going to be an employee, or we're going to raise over fifty thousand dollars, or you know, even if you don't, not it's not going to have it right away. I'd say go start with a fiscal sponsor uh, and and go that route because it's just going to make your life so much easier. One of the
0: things I'd say I really, I have a bias toward starting with a fiscal sponsor is it lets you market test your idea Mm -hmm. much faster than going through the, you know, extreme headache and annoyances of the bureaucratic industry of creating a proper C3 with the IRS. You know, we have Lots of content on, on that, the you know, document after document, and don't even get me started on the solicitation rules of state-by-state, state, depending on how you're fundraising.
2: It, yeah, it is hilarious. It.
0: I also point to things like we have got 1.8 million nonprofits in the US, in the 501c3 world, and literally three quarters of them operate under a million dollars. And, you know, a good number are defunct. I was trying to find stats on it, but I'm curious, you know, that's the, the big picture of C3s in the marketplace. How many fiscal sponsorships are active? Is that even the right measure? Like, wh- what's the number?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there, there, unfortunately, there isn't a number because the crazy thing about fiscal sponsorship is that you don't have to, as an as a organization that's going to offer fiscal sponsorship. You don't have to check a box on your 990. You don't have to send a letter. You don't Mm -hmm. have to pass a test. You don't have to do anything. You literally could do it without an agreement and just shake someone's hand, which for someone like me is like the scariest thing imaginable, uh, that there are (laughs) nonprofits out there just becoming fiscal sponsors, like at the drop of a hat. Um, but I will say there's based on sort of what we know, which is, uh, mostly based from something called the fiscal sponsor directory, which is a great resource. If you're looking for a fiscal sponsor, Mm. it's just fiscal sponsor directory, all one word dot O R G. Uh, and they have, I think they have between 400 and 500, uh, organizations that have self identified as fiscal sponsors or providing fiscal sponsorship, um, which is relatively small, obviously, There's probably, I would say, this is my own personal estimate, at least 10 times that of organizations that are doing Mm. it on the side or as sort of a off and on thing when necessary, who don't have like a formal plan, a formal fiscal sponsorship program, but are doing it now and then. And so, you know, if you want to know the number of projects
2: under fiscal sponsorship,
1: you know, it's probably...
2: I'd say it's probably close to, I don't know, 45, Mm 50,000. And those are not
1: showing up in that 1.8 million number. Of course, because they're essentially programs underneath the nonprofit. And
0: sometimes a program is a program and sometimes it's a separate entity and organization that leverages that C3 and it is uh, hard to quantify. That is so interesting. I was just looking at the fiscal sponsor directory.org and it's, um, it's a list. (laughs) It is, you know, and it, it is a a bare minimum meets database,
1: but (laughs) every, every every organization has its own page. Um, And so Mm -hmm. they, they, and it's, I I will say it's managed by a fiscal sponsor in San Francisco called the San Francisco study center. And they do it Mm. totally, uh, as a labor of love, they don't, they don't get paid separately for it. They, they try to raise some money for it, um, but there's no charge to be in it. There's no charge to use it. Um, so it's, it's definitely, you know, could be, could be better, especially if someone like you, who's looking at it from more of a tech vantage point. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we work with what we got. Not
0: miles, miles of heart running this thing, but it's helpful, right? Cause it's showing us um, some of the rates and costs and saying like, all right, you know, are you in this type of mission? Uh, related piece or or not Um, you know i want to point out some of the the cons of you know because we've been very bullish of fiscal sponsorships and again very pro you should go for it um, if you're not sure flipping a coin some of the cons though that i'll point out is that you can't leverage that fiscal sponsorship for things like the google ad grant You know, so in your mind, like, oh, I'm a nonprofit, I can go get this discount over here, I can leverage my C3 uh, number to go get uh, access to, you know, again, grants like that, you can't, you know, the Google for nonprofits, it gets a little questionable, or Microsoft's uh, nonprofit program, all of those things where you're like, oh, I get this discount for being a nonprofit, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, what are some of the other outstanding things for you in terms of like, eh, that's a con you should be careful about with fiscal sponsorships?
1: Yeah, I will. I will say before I get to that, uh, the, the Google stuff specifically, I've worked with fiscal sponsors on how to create multi-tenancy within those things. Okay. So it's not the way Google necessarily intended, but it's, it's within the terms of service and. Um, there are ways to do it with both the grant ad grant. And, and you can the... get a
0: separate domain inside of there where you've exactly. got multiple
1: domains running around. Exactly.
0: But not the Google ad grant. I, I know this firsthand. You cannot get multiple ad grants with the same C3. You can,
1: no, you you can need fork to split the grant, up, but I have not. You need to split up that one grant among multiple projects. Exactly. It's, but that would be through one admin interface. And Correct. Correct. It's not ideal it for a sure. See. It's not ideal. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the world doesn't totally accept fiscal sponsorship uh, in certain corners. So there are funders, whether they're individual funders or family foundations mm-hmm. or even, you know, institutional donors or government agencies that make it really difficult if you're under fiscal sponsorship to get those funds, uh, or they have an outright, you know, uh, blanket policy against giving, uh, donating to, or doing a contract with fiscally sponsored projects. Um, I feel like that's an unenlightened approach, uh, but you know, they have their reasons and that is certainly an issue that comes up. Um, I think, you know, for some things, fiscal sponsorship is not the right avenue. So if you are thinking about, if you have a large chunk of money coming in as a startup and are going to buy a building and are going to do something related to real estate, you're probably not going to want to go to a fiscal sponsor because that's a lot of liability and it's going to be hard to find a fiscal sponsor that's going to want to take you on, quite honestly. Um, So you think about sort of the kind of work you're doing and there's other than real estate, there's obviously high risk, high liability things that nonprofits, some can do some, you know, need to do in certain areas. And sometimes those are difficult to find a fiscal sponsor to take on. Um, you know, I would also say personality is an important factor, right? And so if you're starting something and you're the kind of person who doesn't like to play by other people's rules, fiscal sponsorship might not be the thing for you. Um, you know, and, and I don't, you could definitely find fiscal sponsors who, whose rules are pretty minimal, but they're still going to be there and they're still going to, You know, that fiscal sponsors, especially ones that are what we would call professional fiscal sponsors, that this is, this is what they do. This is their sort of sole program is fiscal sponsorship. Um, and there, there are a fair number of those out there. You know, they're managing a portfolio of 30, 50, 80, 100, 200, 500 projects, and they have to sort of keep everyone in mind and they're, they, they can't let sort of individuals kind of go and, you know, go off on tangents and do things that don't you know, th- that might impact the rest of the group uh, negatively. And so they have to sort of keep that in mind. And so that, you know, can lead to some chafing among different kinds
2: of folks in different situations. And, uh, you know, I would definitely keep that in mind too. Yeah, it's a good point that you report to
0: not your board, but the board of that C3. You can have an advisory committee, but yeah, sometimes it's make required. no mistake, the power of the board is to hire and fire the CEO of the company. Um, yeah, and you and in, have no in, sway over that as most, a
1: fiscal sponsor. In most good situations, right, the fiscal sponsor is not going to want to get involved in your sort of day-to-day programmatic work. Um, so that if that's happening and you're at a place and that's happening, like that's definitely not a good situation. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's the organization, the, the C3 and their board that are technically, legally, fiduciarily in charge of this whole thing. And so that's not going to work for you. Then this is not the path that you should be going.
0: Yeah. Even with all that said, uh, I, I do know that you can obviously receive grants and, you know, application to many organizations, um, but it may preclude you from, from some, um, for sure. Is there like an over under on like, you, you mentioned the word $50,000. If I intend to be raising more than $50,000 in year one, should I actually go toward fiscal sponsor or get going with my own nonprofit?
2: I would say if, if you can't
1: look at yourself in the mirror and say, we're going to keep this below the level of what the IRS
2: allows at the, for the 1023EZ form. Uh, You should get mm. a fiscal sponsor. Mm-hmm.
0: And then at what point it was like, oh, I've got, you mentioned before, like, oh, I've got like a million dollars, say, coming in from a, you know, startup donor funding miracle. <laughs> sure. Should I go with a fiscal sponsor? Or at that point, you know, do I want to really fork over, uh, you know, $100,000 of that?
1: Yeah, I I would say if you've never done it before, if you've never managed a nonprofit before, if you don't really know how that works, um, and, and you've gotten someone to to hand over $100,000, good, great on you for that. Uh, but, um, I would say if they're not, if the funder isn't asking for you to get someone who knows what they're doing, um, you should probably do that on your own and, and get a fiscal sponsor because that Mm $100,000 is going to go to the fiscal sponsor. You're still probably going to be hard pressed to get all of those services for that that money.
0: Yeah. Now, what if it's a million dollars instead of a hundred thousand? I don't know why I'm like obsessed with <laughs> just making the number. What about yeah, if a you million get
1: 000, 000, dollars? Um, you know, a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, depending on where you are. I, I still think it's worth going to a fiscal sponsor, being there for a year or two. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much startup when you're a startup, there's so much you have to do to launch the program or whatever the work is that you're doing that if you could just focus on that, you're going to be so much better off. And then, you know, there's no time limitation where you have to be under fiscal sponsorship for three years or five years or anything like that. So, um, you know, after a year or two, maybe you feel like you're, you've got everything going and you're ready. Like then you can leave.
0: Yeah. Talk to me about how hard is it, Cause I see in some of the things I've read about, oh, it can be really difficult to make a transition and complicated to disengage, to become my own nonprofit later. Talk to me about what are the steps of moving once I had a fiscal sponsorship for two years into becoming my own nonprofit? And what is usually the driver of that decision?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the first, uh, second question first. Right. The driver of that, most people think it's, it's money and most people think it's, Oh, well, now we're at a certain size. We're paying 10%. We're a budget of a million dollars. Like, what if we took that hundred thousand dollars and did all these other things with it? Um, mm-hmm. which is a fair point, but often the thing that dr- often the thing that drives projects to leave is, is something different. Usually it's either, um, the sponsor has made some major mistake. Which happens, um, okay? You know, so there's many, are. there's there's many hardworking people in the in the fiscal sponsorship sector, and they do wonderful jobs. But occasionally, everyone makes mistakes. Um, so sometimes there's like a loss mm-hmm. of trust uh, between the two parties, and so that's a big that's a big sort of fork fork in the road point. Um, sometimes they just outgrow what services the sponsor can provide. Right. And so um, if they've you know, I I was I talked to a lot of fiscally sponsored projects and I always say if you're starting to hire people to do work that you think your fiscal sponsor is doing or should be doing, then it might be time to consider making the move. Right. Um, And so. You know, what that entails is, is essentially you, you're starting from scratch like you would have if you got a C3 the first time. So the, the actual sort of technical process is the same for getting that new, new legal entity, getting a C3, um, all of that. You got to go through the IRS, all that fun stuff. Yep. Um, you know, and then the, the hard part is the sort of planes already built and already flying. And now you got to like move everybody to a different plane in the middle of the air. Right. Mm -hmm. So to use a bad analogy, um, you have to either build or outsource all of that infrastructure that your sponsor is providing. Um, And, you know, that. Yeah, because it hasn't built.
0: I mean, it's kind of built into your cost with that 10 percent, but you don't get right. There's points at which it
1: doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. There's definitely points where the model breaks down for sure.
0: How long does it take? Like, what is that? How long does that process take to go? create your own C three and moving out of a fiscal sponsorship.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest sort of amount of time is the IRS is literally waiting for them to process your ten twenty three application. Um, so I always, when, when I talk to projects, you know, hopefully I get to them a little bit earlier and I say like, start it now, start that process. You don't have to leave the, when you get your letter from the IRS, your determination letter that says we've approved you to be a C three that doesn't mean you have to leave your fiscal sponsor that day or next month or Mm -hmm. even a year from then you, you, you have a good amount of time, not forever, but you have a good amount of time to then the time, you know, then you control the timetable. And so, you know, from the day you get your letter, assuming you've done some, some work before that to set things up, you know, it probably takes three to six months for most folks to, to move out to their own.
0: Yeah. And you have that graceful transition afforded by having the cover of a fiscal sponsor.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, most fiscal sponsors, especially ones that are, you know, professionalized um, and do this as their mission, they, they know this is part of the, the life cycle. And so they're not, you know, they don't do anything to try to keep you or make it difficult. Like a lot of people yeah. are afraid of, oh, if I tell my sponsor I'm leaving, they're going to stop locking in. This yeah no that's you know i mean occasionally it happens with organizations that do physical sponsorship as like a one-off and they didn't do a good job of separating the funds out and so now all the money's commingled and there's lots of questions of what how you know how much belongs to who and how much you can leave with and all that and that can get really ugly but um in most of the situations it's very clean and everyone is very you know cordial and civil and you know, they they mm-hmm. want fiscal sponsors want you to succeed because that looks good on them, too. Yeah. Right. But they're
0: providing you banking services, though, that I feel like I didn't touch on that closely. Mm-hmm. So the let's go back to one hundred dollars gets donated to through a fiscal sponsor to my organization, Whales of America. And that, you know, now ninety dollars sits in their bank account, and then I can draw on it, I can pay bills from it. Is that the normal relationship? So they're providing that banking service as well.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So um, Mm -hmm. they do provide the banking, your money is going to their bank account. uh, And Mm -hmm. it's up to them and their accounting people to cleanly separate what belongs to this project versus what belongs to this project. It's, it's sort of in the, accounting world, it's called fund accounting. And it's something that's sort of very basic in nonprofit because a lot of nonprofits have restricted funds, right? Which are, you get money from a donor that's only for a specific project or program. And so that goes in its own account on the, in the QuickBooks or whatever, you know, whatever uh, financial accounting software they're using. And it can only be touched for that purpose, right? So fiscal sponsorship from an accounting perspective is basically that. Just everything is restricted that comes in for a project because it's restricted for that project. So within the project, you know, if you led led the project, you might say, oh, it's unrestricted because we can use it for whatever we want because it came from George's mom. But at the fiscal sponsor level, they're saying, okay, yeah, but it's restricted because it's only allowed to be used by this project.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then you can get an inception
0: situation where it's like restricted within that for only work on pacific-based whales and not administrative so
1: yeah for sure <laughs> and then they can you know your, your mom could say well you can only buy you know uh healthy know, snacks healthy for snacks staff. for whales with that money in the pacific the
0: for whales specifically okay. yes um all right before we go down that rabbit hole i want to switch us <laughs> back to um our conversation about, you know, kind of how you got started and maybe move into our rapid fire with some quick responses to some questions that I, uh, I have for you. So hopefully you're ready. Uh, let's not put these out. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year?
1: The biggest one we started using is called Circle. It's a community platform. Uh, so we recently just hmm. launched a community for fiscal sponsor staff and uh, we're using Circle. So far, so good
0: what is one tech tool uh we'll cover that one what is one tech issue yeah you are battling with at present
1: for me it's been the the sort of false promise of optimization and automation automation i should say um where you automation is great i'm all about optimization but as soon as you automate things and optimize them get down you know get down the amount of time you're using on them spending on them more stuff just fills that space <laughs> unless you're like really good about <laughs> not doing that. And so, um, that's my, that's my main issue at the moment. Nature abhors a vacuum. It's an immutable truth, Andrew. What is
0: coming in the next year that has you the most excited?
1: I think building up this, uh, this community is, it's something that I've been working on for a long time. So I've been, um, co-leading a weekly zoom for fiscal sponsors uh, that's totally open and free to anyone who works in an organization that provides fiscal sponsorship, no matter where they are, what kind, what it looks like. And we've been doing that with a partner for over three years now. And so we started the pandemic and we've done over 150 of these. And we built this kind of community of people that um, does fiscal sponsorship. And I think the next evolution of that is this online community where they can go. And it's not just about a weekly 10 o'clock Zoom in the morning on Tuesday, but it's about sort of whatever you need whenever, get your questions answered, commune with, with folks who do this. Can you talk about a mistake that you made earlier
0: in your career that shapes the way you do things today?
1: Yes. So this is actually my second foray into consulting. Uh, and my first, my first one, I didn't have a focus. Um, I literally sent an email. The way I got started was I sent an email to everyone in my address book, my Gmail address book, that is, uh, with a with a graphic that said, rent my brain. And uh, as you might imagine, not too many people responded. Uh, and I learned a really important lesson, which was you can't make the client do any of the work. And so, um, and having a specialization is a really valuable thing. So um, the next time around when this presented itself, um, I picked a niche that didn't really exist before I started doing this, which is consulting to fiscal sponsors and fiscally sponsored projects. And um, it's been great. It's been wonderful. And so that that's the big lesson I've learned.
0: Yeah, one size fits all actually fits none. Exactly. All right. Do you believe nonprofits or a nonprofit can successfully go out of business?
1: I think. I think what you're asking is... Can they do their work so well that the problem that they're trying to solve is solved and they're not needed anymore?
2: Is that yes. what you're kind of getting at? Okay. Then yes. That is what I'm angling at. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yes. And many should.
0: I kind of hold that question out there as like a Rorschach though. So I like the ambiguity of what we get back, but <laughs> that is at the core of it. Yes. If I were to throw you in the good old hot tub time machine, back to when mm. you started in 2015, what advice
1: would you give yourself? I would say listen more than you talk
2: and give things more time than you think they're going to need. Yeah, I like to joke that
0: I've made it half as far and twice the amount of time here at Whole Whale. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what, what is something
2: you think your organization should stop doing? Should we stop doing? I mean, for, for my company, I think we need to stop. I need to stop doing a lot and
1: let the people that I have working with me who are really good and understand do more of it and, and delegate more and um, you know, give them a chance to shine. If I were to hand you a magic wand to wave across the social impact
0: sector, what would that
1: wand do? I've been waiting for this one. Um, <laughs> I, I would want uh, fiscal sponsorship to become the default for starting something, right? So if you, if you submit an hmm. application to your state, start, a, uh, start a, a corporation or a nonprofit, or you submit a thing to the IRS, the first question you
2: get back is, have you tried fiscal sponsorship yet? And if not, <laughs> why not? I, yeah, I could second
0: that. I feel like there'd be a lot fewer like dormant nonprofits out there and a lot of time and startup capital that like, gets just blown away in trying to set up the infrastructure when you're just like, I wanted to see if the idea would work. Exactly. Uh, brilliant. Um, I don't know if that's what my wand would do, but I can get behind a wand that does that. All right. How did you get started in the social <laughs> impact sector?
1: Yeah. So I started probably in like high school writing letters for Amnesty International, uh, and sort of did, oh, did profity kinds of things like my entire educational life. Um, but then I didn't really get into this work as a job until about 13 or 14 years ago. And I went to work for an, a, a tech startup that happened to be, uh, also a nonprofit. It was an ed tech startup that was also a nonprofit. And I tell people I went for the technology and I stayed for the
2: nonprofit. And I was hooked from there.
1: What advice
0: would you give college grads currently looking to enter the social impact sector?
1: Yeah, I would say when you're thinking about, you know, if you're looking to work for an existing organization, say, which I think is, you know, a a good way to get some experience uh, to start, you know, you want to think about the cause, and obviously have an attachment to the cause that you are going to be focused on, but you also want to think about the the di- like what is the day to day work you are going to be doing, and also what is the culture, what is the how does the place that that you would be working for operate? Because I think those are things that sometimes people don't think about. They just want to go, you know, save the whales, which is wonderful, but um, if the guy if the boss at the whale organization is is not a good one, you know, it's going to color your whole
2: your whole experience. What advice did your parents give you that you either followed or didn't follow?
1: My dad always said I would never get a job with a psychology degree uh, from college. So I guess I didn't follow his, uh, his advice there and uh, still went with it and uh, turned out okay. But uh, my parents always said, you know, be kind and treat people with respect no matter who they are. And
2: I think that's an important thing that sort of everyone can, can grab onto. All right. Final question. How do people find you?
1: How do people help you? Yeah, the best place to find me is Uh I think the link will be somewhere around here, probably many times uh, on this page. Um, and how can they help me if it, there's this thing that happens after people talk to me or hear me talk, which is, even if you've never heard of fiscal sponsorship before, you're gonna hear about it three or four times in the next month. Uh, it's just gonna pop up in your life in ways that you've never imagined. So if there are people that you talk to who have an issue in fiscal sponsorship or are curious to learn more about it, send them my way.
0: Brilliant. Well, thanks for sharing. I'm totally on board with more people trying a fiscal sponsorship first before the headaches of the 501c3 process. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and for your work. Take care. My pleasure. Thanks. This has been using the whole whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to whole com slash university to keep learning with us. Thanks, as always, to GregThomasMusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe, and maybe even a comment, because we like hearing from you.